in the hustle and bustle of tinsel and light in the midst of the season so festive and bright a tale unfolds of a frantic affair where Christmas preparations filled the air. Gifts were wrapped with meticulous care, boxes unpacked, the Christmas dishware. In the kitchen, cookies baked with delight, yet amidst the chaos, a crucial insight. With carols playing and perhaps snow on the ground, the true meaning of Christmas was still to be found. A bustling world of ornaments and tree, yet forgetting the heart, the reason to be. Santa's list checked twice and feasts prepared, but the essence of Christmas seemed still undeclared. Amidst the loud chaos, a whisper so true. Remember, my child, what I mean to you. In the twinkle of lights, in the warmth of the fire, a reflection ignited, a spiritual pyre. For in the midst of the presence and the joy so bright lay the humble manger, a sacred insight. A baby born in a stable so small, a savior for everyone, the greatest gift of all. Yet, in the haste of wreaths and young ladies' new dolls, the heart often forgets, so the spirit recalls. Slow down the pace. Let the carols be clear. Remember the babe. Hold the message dear. For in the midst of the wrapping and good Christmas cheer, lies the heart of Christmas. Your God is here. I may have even caught you between Father's silly poem and the gospel. Who is Quirinius anyway? It's like, who cares? You better be happy I'm even here, Father, so chop, chop. Let's go. It's already late and I'm already tired. I've been preparing a long time for this Christmas. I may already be regretting this, so let's do this thing. Let's get it done. Even before the Mass began, the number of times this Advent, in particular, I felt the sentiment or even heard the very words, I'm just ready for Christmas to come. One time is too many, but the foundation says much about our perspective. The reality of this sentiment is, well, Jesus' coming doesn't really make me joyful anymore. It's more work. It's tiring. This year, I think, I felt a sense more than ever that we don't really have a reason to be hopeful this Christmas. Like previous years, the evil and the backstabbing and the cutting in line and the what's in it for me mentalities will continue. I'm having a hard time feeling it, 
How is an infant being born going to change anything? Truth is, Christmas is here, but life goes on much as it did before. If we let it. This is the day that we have been waiting for, yet issues of real concern in our world remain. Gifts have been bought and wrapped, and in some cases unwrapped. Food has been purchased and prepared, and in some cases already eaten. Despite all the things that you have had to do, you somehow managed to get yourself and your family here tonight. I'm looking pretty good, I might add. But as we gather here tonight to sing joy, joyful songs of peace and gladness, serious and disturbing issues continue in our world. The threat of terrorism, a faltering economy, and preparations not only for war, but multiple violent conflicts around the globe, all at the same time. This coming year is an election year, and I don't think I'm the only one to say that I'm not even the slightest bit excited about what entails with that at all. In our personal lives, we might be dealing with misunderstandings between ourselves and the person we are dating, tensions in our marriage, problems with our relationships. Work will be there to greet you when your supervisor or boss beckons. Christmas does not dispel the pain of sickness, the loss of someone that we have loved, or the fear for the future. So, once you have celebrated 20 Christmases or 40 Christmases or 60 Christmases, the pattern becomes rather clear. Christmas comes and goes, and the world remains largely the way that it is. And this can make us cynical. This can make us wonder whether we should believe that proclamation of the angel, of good news, of great joy. This can make us doubt whether we should place much credence in the announcement of peace on earth at all. These doubts must be taken seriously. They're a source of real and unavoidable concern. They most definitely are a thick barrier to the Christmas message our faith has to offer. Unless, unless we actually believe what happened that first Christmas still applies today. This is where we expect authentic Christmas joy to be found. This Advent I found some of that Christmas joy in a man named Monsignor Ronald Knox. He was a priest who converted from Anglicanism to Catholicism and through his sermons and writings provides us some of the wittiest quips that Catholicism and even the English language has ever offered. A friend of his addresses our problem. And so Monsignor Knox opens a letter to his friend writing, quote, when I saw you yesterday, you told me that you did not see any reason why you should have your house turned upside down just because it was Christmas. I've been thinking of your remark ever since, 
And the more I think of it, the less sense I can find in it. What is Christmas? From start to finish, but things being turned upside down. Monsignor Knox is absolutely correct. Just think about some of the things that we do. Consider the winter solstice as a whole. This holiday always comes close to it for us. It happened uh, last Thursday at 10.27 p.m. It marks the reversal of a process. Instead of days getting shorter and shorter until we plunge into perpetual night, so let's be honest, our civilization might deserve, they start to lengthen. The hourglass tips up, and our credits begin to balance our debts. Even the ancient pagans recognized this and celebrated their Saturnalia around the same time. Saturnalia, dedicated to the god of the Golden Age, symbolized desire for a return to a time before the mass-produced, overly commercial, and sterilized civilization they had grown accustomed to. Sound familiar? Slaves, they got a break, speaking their minds to their masters. How would you handle that? Imagine the kid down the street who shovels the driveway, objecting to your daughter having too many suitors chasing her. Practically, this time of year should materially turn all things on their heads. But maybe this isn't exactly what will set us straight. Perhaps it's not a debate whether Christmas happened or when it should ideally occur. At the deepest level, what we're talking about is a mood. The world remembers the mood of Christmas, even when skeptical about the story. The world wants Christmas to have happened. Story or not, our modern culture references it constantly. Happy days are here again. Even Macklemore wrote a song about the good old days. Countless films write plots designed to address our longing for the return of what it was like years ago. We all think about the silly things we did when we were younger, whether that was way back then or just last week. But we long for the purity of childhood. But... Well, right now, there's a deep longing within us to return to our original innocence and to a time when I don't quite remember all that stuff that makes me grumpy. Even the precursors to Christ and Christianity have longed for the appearance of something, some circumstance, to reverse the pounding of the monotonous wheels which hurry us relentlessly in the exact same direction, away from innocence. By God's grace, that is exactly what happens today. Just as Christ turned everything upside down 2,000 years ago amidst war and genocide, in selfishness, in greed, in broken homes, in a tanking economy, in political upheaval. Christ comes and turns us upside down. 
the message has echoed through the history of Christendom. And we honor Christmas best by turning all things upside down. Everything went askew from the very start. The best spots were taken by the wrong people. Ox and livestock closest to the cradle. Shepherds beating the kings to the scene. The kings were lost and asking for directions. The inn had no room. Left them a stable to cradle the one the worlds couldn't contain. The arrogant, topsy-turvydom of the Christian Christmas crib puzzled the wise men. Discovering the child influenced the star they sought to decipher. Sure, modern Christmas trappings may seem overdone, laden with commercialism and big business, but beneath it all, Christmas retains an essential element of surprise. Naturally, it's the expectation that it is burglars who lurk about. But at Christmas, we, the homeowners, become the ones prowling, covertly placing gifts rather than stealing. Instead of a tear or ladders in her stockings, Ladies find the stocking itself transformed into a ladder for Santa Claus. When trees should be bare as they are in the winter, one turns the process around, bursting into leaves of flame and fruits of glittering glass. Headdress, a sign of human dignity in all ages, throughout all history, even a matter of national importance, takes a back seat at Christmas as red and white stocking hats are donned by the lowest of Santa's helpers. The stodgiest uncle is expected to dress like a fool and the angels can hardly hide their smirking. Our lives need to be turned upside down to symbolize the world's topsy-turvy nature. Nothing less suffices for Christmas. So, are we tired, cynical, grumpy, hangry, let down, stressed out, irritable, all the above? Perhaps. But Christmas, if you let it, can turn that upside down. It is what happened at that first Christmas. It can happen this Christmas too. And this won't be the last Christmas. The creator of the universe turns everything upside down out of love for you. So I can conclude by reading you a letter written about one of my heroes that truly inspires what lengths Christ and his church will go to to give us life, hope, peace, joy, and love to turn everything upside down. Among other things, Father Capadano and I have the same birthday, and it is a real, he is a real source of inspiration. He was a salt-of-the-earth fellow that simply cared about his people, and we go into the trenches, quite literally, to convey his message. He was a military chaplain, and no matter our state in life, 
can provide us an example of what is tangibly happening today. Terrible circumstances become conveyances of great love. And all, through Christ Jesus, is turned upside down. Written to a sister, George Marie, a school sister of Notre Dame residing in Mount Calvary, Wisconsin, the letter was written by a medical doctor serving in the Marine Corps. He writes the following, quote, Dear sister, we had a chaplain, a marine old priest named Capadano, who had been over here for 16 months. Usual tour of duty in Vietnam is 12 months. The good padre had it extended on condition that he would be allowed to continue with the grunts. That's the term applied to marine infantrymen. He appeared, in spite of his quiet, unpretentious manner, to be a veritable thorn in the division captain's bald head. The division chaplain wanted Father C to live at headquarters where he could spoke out to all the battalions in the division, but Father C would have none of that. His mission was to the grunts fighting in the front lines whom he felt really needed a chaplain. His audience was always a small group of 20 to 40 Marines gathered together on a hill or behind some rocks hearing confessions saying mass. It was almost a though he had decided to leave the other 99 in a safe area and go after the one who had gotten in trouble. Over here, there's a written policy that if you get three Purple Hearts, you go home within 48 hours. And on Labor Day, a battalion ran into a world of trouble. Father C. arrived on the scene, and it was 500 Marines against 2,500 North Vietnamese strong. We were constantly on the verge of being overrun, and the Marines on several occasions had to advance in a retrograde movement. They were retreating. This left the dead and wounded outside the perimeter as they slowly withdrew. Early in the day, Father C was shot in the right hand. One corpsman patched him up and tried to evacuate him to the rear, but Father C declined, saying he had work to do. A few hours later, a mortar shell landed near him and left his right arm hanging in shreds. Once again, he was patched up and again he refused evacuation. There he was, moving slowly from wounded to dead to wounded, using his left arm to support his right as he gave absolution. When he suddenly spied a corpsman get knocked down by a burst from an automatic weapon, the man was shot in the leg and couldn't move. So Father C. ran out to him and positioned himself between the injured boy and the weapon. The weapon opened up again, and this time riddled Father C. completely. And with his third purple heart of the day, father went home. And that, sisters, is my Christmas message to you. The one conveyed to me by Father Capadano, the message of love. With the love of Christ, my prayer is that our weariness through love would be turned upside down this Christmas. And on behalf of all of the priests here, Father Underwood, Father DiCarlo, and me, Father Thornton, 
I wholeheartedly wish you all a very Merry Christmas. Amen.